right, guys, welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And today we have as our guest, Craig Peterson, who is the CEO of Vision Gaming. Craig, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. Craig, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get interested in technology? Where has your career taken you? Give our, our listeners a sense of who you are as a person. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, always been interested in uh, science and technology since I was, you know, a little uh, knee-high uh, youngster. Uh, but, uh, and so I kind of knew where I was going most of my life, really. I went through uh, college and uh, started working at Intel. And I worked there 29 years. And uh, uh, during that time, I, uh, I drove the development of three processors and eight generations of chipsets whole bunch of new types of technology from process technology to high-speed signaling and, and uh, you know, uh, computer-aided design techniques and all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, while there, I changed the direction of three different industries. It turned a whole, even from, uh, I did three startups inside of Intel. And in the mid-90s, we, um, as a little startup, unsupported startup, we change the direction of the entire supercomputer industry oh my uh, who was saying what does intel know about uh, supercomputers you know we weren't intel we're, really well we were but we we're a tiny little unsupported startup and we we uh designed and and built the world's fastest supercomputer that was about four times faster than the fastest supercomputer at that time uh, still, and, uh, still using zeros and ones though huh Craig? what's that not, not quite in superposition yet, though. Still using zeros and ones, even with that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of zeros and ones. Uh, uh, you know, I've got pictures of it. It was like uh, eight aisles that were, you know, look, looked like uh, 100 feet long of, of uh, server racks and stuff like that, all interconnected. Um, so crazy. Anyway, that, that became the... the uh, core initial core of the uh, Intel enterprise business so launched that whole thing that's tremendous so Craig and you then, brought uh, I did three startups inside of Intel uh, and one uh, became the you know that was one of the ones that created that uh, world the Intel's third largest and most profitable business today uh, once went out became open silicon uh, one uh, and then I did, uh, I, I left Intel in 2003 and uh, I, I did a Chinese startup okay. uh, where I, I, you know, was already existing company, but they wanted to create a new uh, business unit. So I came in and did wow. that as uh, GM and also played uh, CTO and uh, VP of business development for that whole company. Wow. And uh, then I created another new startup in uh in uh, Shanghai, which is uh, still one of the top one or two uh, design and manufacturing companies there. And uh, did a number of years of consulting in uh, Hong Kong, uh, developing consumer technology roadmaps and, and uh, defining projects and getting those funded and stuff. And uh, then, uh, then came here and uh, in Portland and uh, have created these three new startups that we're working on now. That's very oh, exciting. Very cool. Look, we, we often interview entrepreneurs. We don't often talk to intrapreneurs or folks who have had to start things up within the That's right. uh, confines of an existing um, jurisperson or organization. 
what would you say the trade-offs are are between kind of you know being out and eating what you kill on your own versus starting a uh, a business within a business what are some of the trade-offs what are what are some of the advantages to each well when you start a business within a business you've got a paycheck so yep. you have, you can eat <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, maybe you have some resources or maybe you don't have resources you know we didn't really have so much resources you know I had to go fight for every little scrap uh, internally but uh, uh, and but then the drawback is uh, that uh, when it blooms uh, you don't make any money out of it because the company makes money out of it sure sure so it's all the opposite on both of those with the outside startup so, so these are my six seventh and eighth high-tech startups that's wow. tremendous so mm -hmm. you've obviously had a ton of experience in a lot of different technology sectors a lot of different new technologies have come across your path during your career what's got you excited about vr and uh, xr more generally right now well one of my companies here uh, uh which is not the vr company but developed the ability to convert ordinary um, video content into any kind of uh, three-dimensional type content. And we did two generations of that, uh, even in not just set-top box, but also high-end uh, post-production systems. And it has, since the start, been the highest quality converters in the industry, far ahead of anything else. Uh, we were selling a $300 uh, consumer converter, desktop or set-top box converter that was much higher quality than like a $25,000 JVC commercial converter. Okay. Um, I mean, it was just uh, night and day. Nobody else has really cracked it. Uh, and uh, this new third generation that we've been working on for uh, a number of years is, is about ready to come out. And it, it uh, you know, we wanted to target um, holographic 3D. Okay. And uh, it turns, as it turns out, we realized with, because we tried to make one uh, off of our second generation, uh, but the uh, optics uh, tend to, they have crosstalks. So that there's a certain amount of squashing of the 3D. You have to put three to five times more 3D into them to get the 3D you want to see out of them. And uh, so, we didn't know how to do that. I mean, obviously no one in the world knew you had to do as good as what we were doing, but we had to do a lot better than our second generation. So, uh, you know, a big company might put one or 200 engineers, software engineers working on algorithms and stuff. And uh, what we did instead, because we were a little company, we said, okay, we're going to uh, build a neural net and teach it to do it. Okay. So the neural net will figure out the, uh, uh, the algorithm and uh, you know we started out with that and it was you know had some uh, success but uh, it was a deep thinking style which is what the rest of the industry is uh, going after today we started before the the, the industry but uh, we developed a new type of neural net we call application specific neural net and that is rock solid because with the deep thinking you could train it on some images then you could try some other images and oh, maybe it was so-so on those. Well, then we train it on those and then it would forget some of the original images and get applied on new ones. And it's kind of like, you know, you would go back just like a learning process for first and you go back and forth and, you know, eventually you get there, but 
you know, it's not so stable and, and, uh, but we came up with this uh, application specific neural net architecture uh, approach and uh, it was amazingly successful, uh, very rock solid, trained on small number of images and it's just rock solid and across a whole bunch of other, you know, virtually anything we throw at it today. Are so you uses, the hologram piece would be used for more for augmented reality or rather than uh, yes. reality? Yeah. Well, it could it could do uh, both uh, VR, AR, and uh, holographic. So anything we can render it to anything. Once once you got 3D, know where the you know pixels are in 3D space, which the uh, AI uh, handle, uh, then you can render it in any kind of uh, uh, you know 3D ex uh, experience like VR, AR, or holographic. You you're spending a lot more time on this than than I am, but I'm curious about you know you know, polygon count and the ability for the hardware to actually uh, capture, optimize the, the, the graphics that you're able to, to render. So you're creating really high-end graphics. Are there any headsets that you think can, can really optimize the, the graphics that you're currently, you know, that, that, that you're being able to generate through that deep thinking uh, neural net? Okay, well, let's take the transition to that and then, then I'll answer that question. Uh, so uh, we talked to some big companies, uh, you know, maybe uh, three, three, four years ago, and they said, wow, this is amazing. It's like you would be a huge acquisition if you could figure out how to do that interesting, something interesting in VR. So <laughs> we started working on a, a VR solution. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Chess moves. And, and originally, uh, I was going to, you know, the mode was, okay, well, we could take, 2D VR, because most VR actually uh, 360 video, there's more of that than there is actual 3D VR. So uh, we could take uh, 2D VR and 360 video and turn it into 3D VR, okay? That was the, that was the thought, the, the strategy on that. But along the way, kind of happen, happenstance by mistake, you know, we, we got the output uh, working to, uh, to a headset. Uh, and then, uh, but we didn't have the input. And I was going, okay, well, what can we do shorter term with the input? And then I realized that, oh, uh, let's try that. And it's, uh, that's when we discovered we could take ordinary um, video games uh, of the last 30 years and convert them real time into full 360 3D VR. So people that play Fortnite to today can only play it on a monitor. And it's passive, it's in front of you, it's away from you. It doesn't matter if you get killed or not other than your score. But when we turn it into 360 3D VR real time, it's absolutely stunning, scary, intense because these things are coming at you in your room. They're gonna, they're gonna kill you. So <laughs> it's a whole different experience of immersion of these traditional games, you know, and it could be, uh, it could be Fortnite. Some of the old school, like Street Fighter and Mario <laughs> 3 and some of these old uh, Sega and Nintendo games that you can convert. Yeah, Mario 3, which is kind of a, it's a flat 2D thing. It, we can make that 3D, but there's no head turning in it, so it won't be 360, but, but uh, you know, Street Fighter, Doom, you know, we have a demo where we use, we use uh, a clip out of Doom. It's, it's gorgeous, you're inside of Doom. It's for goodness sakes. I mean, that's a pretty old uh, I can go home tonight on that uh, he's going to be inside of Breath of the Wild pretty soon. Yeah. 
You know, I, I like to show some of the games that have uh, extremely detailed graphics, you know, like uh, Ghost Recon uh, Wildlands. You're outside, you got grass growing, tree foliage, you know, rock textures and people with clothes and they all have detailed patterns and, and people walking around, cars driving up, you get the insides of cars and all that. And it renders all of that in beautiful, gorgeous uh, uh, VR uh, 360 3D. That's incredible. It's amazing. Every little single blade of grass is rendered in beautiful 3D. So Craig, Adam and I are, are both you know, fans of video games. We both uh, have children that are fans of video games. But mm -hmm. we're wondering, you know, we're both educators. What are some of the immediate applications to the education space that you see for this technology? Okay, that, this was a complete surprise. Because yeah. uh, you know, we built this uh, going after the video game uh, market. And you know, gaming is a huge market. I mean, uh, we have uh, we have a billion dollars of revenue demand for this when we get it out. Oh my um, yeah, right off the bat, or more, uh, and uh, it's huge. I'll talk about that in a minute. I mean, just imagine uh, uh, Fortnite players. There's 350 million of those, sure. uh, and if we sold to just two percent, that'd be 10 billion dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, so, and it's just plug and play. Yeah. Uh, we have one that works with their existing computer. That's called the Ultra VR Slice, and we have one that is uh, standalone. You has a high-end PC, and and it's in a tiny little six by six inch box. I'll show you. Well, you. And here's an Ultra VR Cube, little six inch cube, and a headset and a roll-up keyboard that can fit in a backpack. And that is a student's entire computing system. No monitors needed. Right. One of the things I haven't noted about our Ultra VR is that, oh, so here's a keyboard. Look at that. And this has a great touch on it. I mean, it's a really nice touch on the keyboard. So you roll out that up, put it in your backpack, put your head, headset on there. So why don't you need a monitor? Well, if you look at VR today, VR uh, is based on a 4K frame. So uh, a typical VR headset is uh, your view is 90 degrees horizontal and 90 degrees vertical. So you're looking at one quarter of the pixels horizontally and one half of the pixels vertically. And if it's 3D, it's one quarter of the pixels vertically. So you're, you're looking at 1 16th of a 4K frame in each eye. Okay. So it's really, really low resolution. I mean, that's like standard definition uh, on a, based on a 4K frame. It, uh, and if you look at um, uh, how to compute it, it requires a huge fast computer today, right? A big tower in your desktop and all the high-end graphics cards and lots of memory and all that kind of stuff. For well, sure. it's because it's not just computing your view, 1 16th of the you know, 4K frame, it's computing the pixels all around you 360. This is a technology that was intended for 360 video that they layered uh, VR gaming on top of, and this is not how gaming works. So what, what we're doing is we're taking, uh, we're taking the view of the game that a gamer would normally look at, and we're rendering that in essentially 4K 3D experience and sending that to the headset. 
So that's, that's 2560 by 1440 each eye, half of 4K and each, each eye is 4K 3D. You all manufacture so, the hardware or are you having someone else, like are you partnering with someone to, to produce the headset? Oh, uh, yeah, we have a third party working on the headset. But, uh, we're building the, uh, inside the cube, for example, it, there's a, uh, a high-end uh, PC, Windows PC card in there. Uh, but in addition, we're building a custom card to do the processing. So do you know why, uh, did you ever wonder why game, uh, game uh, developers don't, aren't jumping on VR? For it's sure. because they're dependent upon the frame rate that they can produce, right? The gamers want fast frame rate so that they can see faster and react faster and so on. And if they had to compute the rendering 360, that would that would slow down their their game by 16 times. Right. Oh, wow. And they would get very low resolution in addition. Well, if you so, look at some of the most popular VR games, it looks like a lot of them are low poly, like you know, like uh, yeah. um, Beat Saber and Red Hot and and uh, Super Hot, and those yeah. games are very kind of low poly games for the exact yeah. you're pointing out. But they're not only low poly games, they're a little boring. You might play them for 10, 20 minutes. And is that all there is versus a conventional game that's had decades of evolution? And, uh, and you're, uh, you, you know, get, a lot of gamers will play six months to a, uh, to a year to get through the gameplay storyline on a, on a new game before the next one comes out in the fall. And so the gameplay is so much more sophisticated the graphics could be more sophisticated because they're only rendering this view instead of all around you that you're that's being thrown away so uh so basically we take that view and we take the head motion and uh and now wherever you look you're you're seeing a view and you know 360 video was designed like it is because it, it has to but you know gaming was you know it, i think it was the wrong choice to try to put gaming on that versus our approach which is a whole new approach and and we get 8x the resolution that's possible 8x more resolution than is possible on uh, on the best vr technology today so what you're saying is that that developers should build their experiences like in unreal or in unity they should build in unreal in the traditional two-dimensional uh kind of format and then yes. use your technology instead of building it in the VR format that the Unreal Exactly. Wow. Because not only do they have to render 360 around you, which is, which is 16 times more data than you actually see, well, 8x because uh, you got two eyes, but um, uh, then, then to put it in a 4K frame, they have to turn linear game space into polarized video uh, frame and then convert a portion of that video frame into the, you know, that's in the view back into linear in the headset. And then, a com then compensate for the barrel uh, uh, effects in the lens. That actually has a lot of implications for education because developers can build educational applications in two dimensions and now create, it's the same principles. I mean, if you wanted to take kids to the moon you could create a two-dimensional rendering of the moon and then use your your technology to make it immersive. You could. The more the more likely thing is you build it in a game engine. 
Right. Okay. And Unreal. Yeah, so if you've got like, uh, you know, uh, Epic, uh, then uh, Unreal, now you basically, uh, you know, especially with the Unreal 5 is pretty cool. You can take in uh, cinema quality uh, video assets and turn those into extremely detailed uh, uh, surroundings and environments and stuff like that very rapidly. Right. And, you know, we have all of the, you know, the LIDAR and stuff like that that can go through cities and, and digitize entire cities in a, in a, you know, in a week kind of thing. I mean, content can go really, really fast. So what, what this is doing is it's creating some exciting new possibility that has never been possible in uh, VR today. Uh, so in our cube, a uh, student puts on his headset, and he boots up the cube, puts on the headset, and he's in, he's in his virtual hangout room. And he's got a desk there, and he's got uh, a, a monitor, a computer monitor right there. And inside the virtual space, just looking at this computer monitor here on his desk, he gets roughly about a 1080p experience on a virtual monitor. Now you can't possibly do that. You don't even get that in the you know, whole headset view um, with a standard technology. So he can actually see a monitor. It looks just like he's working on a laptop uh, that he would today. And he can run any Windows apps. And in addition, he can see his keyboard in real time and his fingers typing on it so he can run windows apps full speed and run any kind of window app he, he wants on there and the and so or educational 360 video and uh cg computer generated uh experiences yeah yeah any anything you can run on a windows it's just like looking at a monitor on your real desktop you'd be looking at a monitor like that in the virtual space on your desk so let me just to be nothing else can do that. This is this is almost too good to be true, to be honest. <laughs> it doesn't stop there though. Okay. So let me just play this out for a little bit. So we're both in the college prep business. We're at independent schools where where children get into college still matters. Who knows how much longer that'll be the, the right. paradox, but the the paradigm. But um so what you're telling me is I could go take video, two-dimensional video of the top 50 colleges in the United States, I could get your hardware and, and software and convert that two-dimensional video into an immersive experience where the kids would not have to travel to be able to see these campuses. Uh, that's true. But if you want the uh, real-time head turning and stuff, you would, you would actually want to translate that video into uh, uh, like uh, Unreal models or Unity models. And yeah, so basically, there's uh, today there are uh, people are doing that with um, you know heritage sites. They're flying a drone around, and maybe that drone takes four thousand pictures from different places all around that entire structure, inside and outside, and the and the land around it. And then uh, there's known uh, software that converts that into a CG uh, model. Uh, and then now you can go into that CG model real time with our headset and be, you know, fully turning around and interacting with stuff. What is an example of that software? Do you know? An example? Uh, I don't, but it, it's probably not too hard to find. I mean, I was just looking at a heritage site and they were talking about how they flew the drone. Um, other people, as opposed to just 2D pictures with a drone, 
they're doing uh, you know lidar type uh, stuff with a video camera and uh, the laser rangefinder, and they're scanning just scanning sites like that. And that takes less imagery to do, but they can do that in real time in video with video. So you said it just starts there. I'm already blown away, given the fact that you can convert uh, these you know computer generated models of elite colleges to create you know your own college counseling business. Uh, what are some what, what what are some of the things that that are at the vanguard? Some of the things that that you know about VR that the layman wouldn't know. Well, one is one is how to uh, create VR that's eight times the resolution, eight more times than is possible with the best VR today. Wow, so I think the, that's pretty cool. So the hardware can't even render it, can't even play it back at the same resolution. Well, ours can. And it and you know ours takes less performance than a standard VR system. So can you talk to me a little bit about uh, who some of your your uh, your customers are? Is this B two B? Is this B two G? Is it B two C? Are you straight to consumer? Are you selling to other schools? Are you selling to everybody? Yeah, let me take a let me take a step farther and let me come back to that. Please, sure. Uh, I just wanted to show you this card that this custom card that we're building. Where it'll be a version of this. This is actually a card we're building for a Chinese. Uh, customer that has a holographic digital signage monitor. So uh, this is actually, uh, I've actually got a demo running over there on their 85 inch uh, uh, display. And we watched the, um, uh, the NBA playoffs in holographic 3D real time. What? Nice. That's pretty cool. Do you have any video, do you have any screen captured video of that? We uh, well, actually, I, any video you bring me, if you came here, you could watch it in holographic 3D. I may, real time. Just plug it in. I might take you up on that, actually. <laughs> Just come come see it, because it is it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, and, and anything. Your address, anything. We may end up being there. That's right. <laughs> when we get this into a TV, imagine anything you watch on TV is holographic 3D, and it's gorgeous 3D. We're gonna to get to watch uh, Game of Thrones. Ned hitting. It's coming. You can watch Game of Thrones on there. You could watch a, a insurance advertisement commercial or whatever. You know. <laughs> so, so how how is it being projected? So, you know, just to, just to nerd out a little bit, when we talk in the holographic three D version, exactly. Are you in a headset? Okay. Are you sitting on your no. couch? It's no headset, no glasses. Okay, so this is sitting just on your couch, straight up hologram out the middle of uh, out the middle of some kind of projector it's out of the middle of a 85 inch uh, display okay okay it's not a projector oh wow okay so it's, it's like a tv i mean except this is a digital signage monitor so they build them like tanks but it could be on tvs mm -hmm. uh, but nobody's you know this technology has been around for 50 years but nobody's had a way of converting ordinary content into it real time. We're the only company that can do that today. Tremendous. That's fascinating. Yeah, again, that's, uh, that's this board here, which we're building a variant of this. Now this board itself has the performance of roughly about a hundred server processors on this one little tiny board that we're gonna put in a student's uh, queue. Wow. How many uh, employees do you guys currently have? Oh, we have a huge team. We have like, uh, it's totally, I think about, is so many, I, I have trouble counting up to it, but I think it's five. Nice. <laughs> you can count them all on one hand, right? We're fans yeah. of 
So yeah, I can't I can't get higher than one hand, so we had to keep it at five. My computers can only count to one, right? So I can only, yeah, one hand is all I can deal with. That's true. That's true. Qubits, baby. <laughs> so interesting. So um, you talk about lean startup. This is a really yeah, now. Let me take a step farther. So we got the student in his uh, hangout room. Well, now he pushes a button, and he goes into the virtual classroom. So now he's in there with his other classmates and he can see them and they have realistic looking uh, faces that came off of a selfie that turned into a, into a head. There's several companies that are providing that kind of technology today. Right. And they can see, hear, interact with, wave their hands and, and uh, listen to the teacher and the teacher will go, hey, you know, put that thing down, you know, quit playing with that and uh, they can pick up objects and manipulate them and uh, uh and so a teacher can do everything they can do in a real classroom so they can use all their existing collaterals so they can write on the board they can uh, project powerpoint uh, slides on a big big screen they can uh, put movies up there they can uh, bring up a live web page play that web page Meanwhile, the student has, again, he's got his computer, his private computer on his desk inside the classroom. So he can be typing or, you know, sending his assignment to the teacher or, or, uh, or whatever. And, uh, as, you know, teacher can hang uh, exhibits on the walls. You can have breakout rooms where students go into groups. Um, one student can only see their own monitor. They can't see other students monitors so that's kept uh, private but you know uh, teachers can uh, can oversee what's going on and help the student do some get something working if they if, they, if they're stuck is this um, but anyway is this a multiplayer hmm? experience so this is this is multiplayer immersive multiplayer yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know we did something like this um in the spring as soon as coronavirus hit uh where we, um, where everyone else was on Zoom, we actually used a, a, a VR application called Engage, and had class yeah. members. And I don't know if you had a chance to see the uh, the piece we did. I did. Is yeah, it, I saw that. So, how would you describe the difference between what you saw us do and what you can do with with Vision? Right. So, Engage is kind of set up for meetings. It's not particularly optimized for. Um, uh, educational uh, classes and ours is optimized for educational classes and uh, one of the first things that that's a major difference is in uh, engage you're limited to 1 16th of a 4k frame that you can see in each eye so you got low resolution experience versus we've got 8x the, re the resolution that you can get out of conventional VR which enables the students to have a high resolution monitor on their virtual desk Sure. I mean, they just can't do that engage. And so, um, you know, they can be working inside there. They can, they have their keyboard in there because we have a flip up webcam on the, on the cube that points at the keyboard or it can point at them too. Uh, but it points at the keyboard so they can actually see their fingers on their real life keyboard and mouse and, uh, and just, you know, operate a computer as fast as they can. Just like in real space. Well, I have to ask, and, and I, and I uh, at the risk of being crass, how mm -hmm. do, uh, how do, what does this thing cost? I mean, how do we get teachers all over the country uh, jumping to this opportunity? 
Okay, so uh, so usually you don't want to give uh, numbers, uh, you know, when you until you get uh, close to uh, releasing. But just to kind of give you an idea, uh, you know, a typical VR computer and a headset is going to run somewhere around twenty five hundred to three thousand uh, dollars. Our cube uh, fully uh, accoutred with a headset, and by the way. This headset is different because it has 2560 by 1440 in each eye, sure. and which is uh, 4K 3D, and um, and uh, it it uh, uh, so that you know we feed we have a resolution that does that, and we have a different optics. So the optics in a typical VR headset is uh, you know round, so you don't you only see like a square, uh, you know sort of square a little taller than wider typically but in uh, ours it'll be uh, organized uh, 16 by 9 like a computer screen and in uh, if you try to do a video game in a standard headset the corners of the display would be off the edge of the, the lens you don't see all the pixels on the that are in the uh, display in the headset today but ours will be crisp and sharp to the edges. So we're using uh, optics that's more like a personal home theater headset than a VR headset. Okay. So that's optimized for gaming. Because in gaming, you got you got resources in the corners and stuff. So we're building around a 16 by nine format. So you mentioned, you know, when we were kind of introducing ourselves, uh, being able to access for teachers who already have like the Oculus Quest, for example, to be able to mm -hmm. access the um, the actual classroom. Do you guys have branding around that yet? Do you have a title for what that application is? Is that application available in stores? Do you have to sideload it directly from your site? How do how do how do we get our listener base to be able to kind of uh, beta test or or demo your uh, your application for teachers for classrooms, virtual classrooms? Well, one you can look at our website, which is visiongaming.com. And we have uh, stuff there that they can look at. Uh, we have uh, we have working demos, and we've sold some to customers that are waiting the productized version. And so we're raising funds right now to go from the the working demos to the productized versions, the little box and the the optimized uh, headset. And uh, that'll take uh, basically nine months to get to production samples, and then we'll then we'll have volume coming out three months after that after going through the production qual and, and the build in the factory. That's so then it'll, then it'll ramp and explode uh, highly since then because we have, we have a, a school system we're working with in, uh, in, uh, that has about 400 uh, plus thousand students and uh, they're already uh, working on a, on a budget plan for a, a, a possible 20,000 unit pilot in 21-22 school year. Wow. High school or middle school or what grades? Will uh, I think it's all uh, all of the K through 12. Wow. Okay. Tremendous. Mm -hmm. Well, Craig, we traditionally end things with a segment that we like to call the Furious Five. It's going to be five quick questions, not necessarily to do with anything that we've talked about tonight, but just to get to know you a little bit better. And we encourage like quick one sentence answers to these. Do you mind? Oh, by back? the way, I'd like to add one more thing. We're working with three other companies. We're going to be creating uh, customized uh, uh, curriculum content, oh, wow. and so so you might be kids might be in the classroom, but it's time for geography class. So all of a sudden the walls melt away, 
and the students find themselves standing on like the the Grand Canyon Skywalk with their colleagues and their teachers uh, getting a geography class in real time and experiencing it. Or they could be underwater at the Great Barrier Reef experiencing the, the wildlife, you know, the fish and fauna all around them underwater. Stuff that we can only dream about when we were kids reading Magic School Book, <laughs> right? Well, Which realize that, that kids today, I mean, uh, people from uh, 16 to 39 on average spend 40% of their screen time gaming. There you go. So what we're doing is we're creating education in a gaming environment that they're already jazzed about. And we're going to give teachers a whole variety of tools like, oh, you know, reward that student over there. Well, all of a sudden, a squirrel runs across the room and jumps on his desk and, and then jumps over and crawl, runs up the wall. You know, stuff that make, cracks the class up and gets their attention going, their blood flow going, and, and brings them back in to engage in the content. There's no question that VR makes learning far more efficient. Uh, mm -hmm. we, uh, we do a, an experience, we're obviously in Mississippi, based out of Mississippi, we do an experience where uh, we take kids back into 1968 Memphis. A buddy of mine, Derek Ham, created this called I Am A Man. And they, uh, they're actually using a technique called body transfer to, to take on the uh, you know, experience of the sanitation workers during the assassination of Martin Luther King. And it's amazing how students, uh, not necessarily African-American students, but, but how students who, who uh, you know, are white Southerners can empathize with the experience of these right. sanitation workers because they're literally walking a mile in these other people's yeah. shoes. So it's, it's an incredible, incredible empathy machine. And so as you talk about this, it just inspires us that we, we got to get our hands on it. I may be knocking on your door in Oregon to check out <laughs> what you have going yeah and uh, start evangelizing it down in the deep south there you go yeah you got an open invitation okay fantastic we're coming we're, we're on our way Very all cool. right so five furious questions here we go craig okay. what's the best movie or tv show that you've watched recently the best one i've watched recently uh, and it does it need to be a recent one or it can be an older one do whatever you want Oh, okay. I think Fifth Element is my favorite movie. There wow. you go. There you go. Nice. <laughs> what's, the, what's the best meal that you've eaten recently? Uh, let's see. I had uh, a cheese sandwich and tomato soup, which was fantastic. There you go. <laughs> classics. Classic. We're, you we're, like we're classics. fans of the classics here, too, for sure. Yep. <laughs> Who is a thought leader that you want all of our listeners to go follow on social media right now? Do not pass go, do not collect $200. Oh, a thought leader. Hmm. I think our website is pretty good. Who? I think our website would be an amazing place to go. go. <laughs> We're going to have them all follow you. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what's your favorite video game that you've played on your uh, your new system here? On Vision. On Vision. Yep. You know, I uh, they're all uh, crazy fun. You know, uh, uh, but I but the one I, I prefer, which is you know most people find is kind of boring, but I like it because it's got so much graphical detail. Is the Tom Clancy? Uh, um, oh, did yeah, uh, Ghost Recon uh, Wildlands because of all the detail and stuff. And and people put the headset on and they're walking through there and they go, this is really cool because I just feel like this is an amazing countryside and distant mountains. 
grass and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Overwatch is a fun one, and and uh, you know all the big ones: Fortnite, Overwatch, Call of Duty. Oh, iRacing! Ah, that's going to be another big one. We're getting something big going with iRacing in in uh, Korea, and uh, uh, they're already they already have a, one of our prototype uh, systems that they're doing eye racing in and it's really really cool you feel like you're in the cockpit last and perhaps most seriously if you had to pick between fighting one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses what would you pick and why so did you say fighting 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 yep going to war with engaging in battle okay or uh a duck so one horse-sized duck or a hundred yeah. duck-sized horses? hundred-sized what kind of size horses? Duck-sized horses. Oh, uh, well, I think it'd have to be the hundred duck-sized horses. That would be amazing. There I mean, uh, we've had horses here before, so, uh, you know, <laughs> they're amazing animals. And that small would be like, wow, people would want those things. They could just, you know, they'd be like pets in their house. There you go. Cool. I think you're right. I don't think there'd be a lot of value with the duck-sized horse. I yeah, think we're that, all in agreement. I think that'd make people nervous. <laughs> right. We're so happy to have you. I, I, uh, we're, we're breaking a little bit of tradition here. I forgot to ask uh, our uh, uh, contrarian question, mm. but I'd like to end mm. that. Uh, what is the thing that you know about VR that other uh, VR startups just don't get? What is the thing that you know to be true about where the future of VR is going that most of your competition would disagree with you on? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it boils down to uh, to our a whole different approach to VR, right? Because everybody else is, is uh, burdening on top of a, three, a technology made for 360 video, and that's where they think it is. And they're like, and many people are just stuck there. It can't possibly work what we're doing. I mean, they'll, they'll say, not possible people will get sick it's not made for vr so you can't put that in vr but yes you can it works and uh, uh, uh artificial intelligence helps you get there but it is a great experience we've had a lot of gamers play our korean customer is a you know he's a gamer had many game companies and you know he's over there piloting it with the iRacing and and uh we've had a lot of gamers oh uh Mark Raleigh, who is a five-time uh, Emmy Award winner, uh, director, movie maker, uh, VR, uh, and gaming expert. Um, you know, we have a quote from him on our uh, website that he allowed us to use, uh, which is what, what he said. He says, um, he says, this is the most um, uh, impressive technology I've seen in the last decade. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We can't thank you enough for being on the podcast with us tonight and uh, just appreciate all that you've shared with us tonight. We're blown away, I think. We will, uh, we're going to blast this thing on social. There'll be a lot of people in the Southeast wanting to know about vision now. That's right. You're going to have a lot of people in the SEC country that only knew Oregon for those ducks of yours. That's right. Uh, sure, we're going to make a movement. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so, the, so we, we're definitely coming to visit you, but if you ever are in the deep south and want to visit us, we would be so happy to show you that southern hospitality. Absolutely, absolutely. Very cool. I'll probably take you up on that at some point. Great, great, Perfect. great. Love to come and see some of the stuff you're doing. Oh, Fantastic. that would be amazing. Thank you so much, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks, Greg.